Hey, pay attention. This is Joe Stump. You listen to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Ted Aguilar from Death Angel, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Tony from Battlecross, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hey, this is Yaron from Battlecross, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Welcome to episode 227 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Episode 227, we've got two very exciting guests for you. We've got Huron from the band Battlecross, and then an interview with guitarist, composer, and all-out shredder Joe Stump. First up, Huron from Battlecross. Battlecross is probably one of my favorite bands of 2013. They had a very successful year. They played on Metallica's Orion Fest and more. They toured the Mayhem Festival. They released their second album. And 2014 looks to be just as promising. Huron fills us in on what's coming up. Before we get to that interview, here's a track from their second album, More of Will, entitled Force Fed Lies. gentlemen with me on the phone i've got Huron from Battlecross. how you doing today Huron? great man how you doing pretty good uh, i'd like to thank you uh, for taking time to talk to us um starting out you guys had a very very uh productive uh, 2013 you did the orion festival with uh, metallica you released war of will um which is you know probably one of my top 10 albums of 2013 um did the mayhem fest you toured you played with guar you toured with death angel um looking back i mean what are some of the highlights of 2013 uh f- that you know for yeah. you personally yeah i mean there's so, there's so much to uh to talk about and, and so many awesome things that i think we did in the past year i mean number one for me i think was orion fest because mm-hmm. just that ex- that whole experience was incredible right i mean to to be Number one on the same festival as one of your huge influences and favorite bands was awesome. But then we got to be a part of so much more. Mm-hmm. Talca did like a press conference, you know, the day before the festival. And we were actually got, we got to be a part of that and get to be on stage, you know, out of all right. the bands that they could have had, 
you know, we were actually a part of that. And so that was, that was huge for us and very humbling that we got to be a part of that experience. And so that was just huge. And to have the band come out and, and hang out and we met James Hatfield and Rob right, and uh, they were super cool and introduced the band. And so that was huge. And then going from that to, you know, Mayhem Festival, which was incredible. I mean, right. that was one of the, you know, that's the top, you know, metal summer tour. So we got to be a part of that. And, you know, and, and on top of all that, you know, just, do, you know, number one, recording the new record and, and releasing that and just having that do so well for our second album was, you know, very, it was just huge for us. And, you know, got to thank the fans and the people that supported us to, you know, definitely push that record and, and help us out with that. So, yeah, man, just nonstop awesome stuff that happened for last year. And uh, this year is looking even even better. So Right, right. It's like, you know, it's nonstop. You're going right into 2014 with a bang. Um, now, uh, you played with, you know, you toured with Death Angel and Guar. And Death Angel, again, it's another thrash band that's been around forever. I remember seeing them back in, you know, 1990, 88, 90, you know, when they were touring with Act 3. Um, you know, touring with all these bands, you know, Metallica and, you know, playing with Metallica and, 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 and hanging out with them and touring with Death Angel and then everyone from, you know, Mayhem Festival and whatnot. Um, did, did, did you get anything from that experience? I mean, did they, did they you know, help mentor you at all or, you know, kind of, you know what I'm saying, kind of like, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, you know, it was, um, you know, definitely just observing right what they're doing and, and you know, I guess because I was just a little intimidated to even talk more than a few <laughs> words to those guys. Right. But uh, no, I mean, you know, you see all those bands out there, you know, and, and the success that they have and, and how they do things. And um, it's it's awesome to, you know, you kind of just take notes from just observing what they do and, and also even just talking to their crew. Right. And, and you actually learn a lot even just from the crew itself and, you know, how many bands that they've toured with and what they've seen and, so it was cool to, because we get we learn a lot from them. We talk to them the most because when we're out there touring, it's like we're doing a lot of what you know other bands' crews are doing. We're setting up right. our own stuff. We're out there, so you know they see the hard work in us, and the, you know to have them say great things to us, and even just talking to other bands. And you know I've read somewhere that Hetfield even said you know like you know Battlecross is one of his favorite bands, and 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 you know we're you know, kind of on our way up to do, doing something great, which is awesome, you know, right. to hear somebody that's been there and, and and done that and saying things like that and just getting the feedback from different people that we've worked with. And, you know, our manager hears back a lot, too, from the feedback that they get from other managers and right. other agents and stuff that worked with our band and that kind of information that gets relayed from other bands. And it's all positive stuff. And it's awesome. It's humbling to know that we're we're on a right path and we're doing the right thing. And, and I think that just kind of comes from seeing what they do and knowing that the hard work that the, what they've went through and what they right. put in is like, you know, it's like, that's the same for us, man. You can't just do these things that are great, but like just settle in and be like, okay, I'm done. You know, it's like you right. keep working hard and you keep going. And, and, uh, you know, we're, we're just a very, uh, that's just our attitude is, is nothing will stop us and what we got to do. And, and we're always looking forward and looking up. So um, it's awesome that we got to be a part of those experiences. And I think it wasn't only just the music that kind of helped us get in with those kind of, with right. those tours and those people. I think it's just the, the work ethic and the kind of people that we are really helped that. And so it's like building a, not only um, 
you know, getting your name out there, but leaving a good reputation behind. Right. And I think that's important for touring bands when you go out there. It's just, you know, show that work ethic, especially when you're, you know, uh, given the, you know, having the opportunity, given this opportunity to go out and do these things. It's like, don't take it, you know, don't take advantage right. or, you know, don't take it for granted. Exactly. Of it and, and push and, you know, make it worth your while so you know I, i've had the you know the pleasure of seeing you guys live several times and and talking to people who've seen you live and, and everyone's like you know they killed it they killed it you know it, you know personally you know, me you know one of the best bands i saw at mayhem this Thank past you. summer and one thing that really kind of sticks out to me and, and even talking to other people it's like when you guys are on stage it's like you genuinely have, have fun and there's something very genuine in your performance and i think that says a lot to the crowd also and um you know one thing that also you know i wanted to kind of talk to you about was like you guys have a really strong relationship with your fans um you have that mailing list you know and you know i get the text updates and then like the new year's you know uh message from gumby and whatnot i mean whose idea was that was that something like you guys thought of yourself because you don't really see a lot of bands have that kind of connection with their fans yeah, you know, a lot of that stuff also comes from our manager because, you know, right. we're kind of at that point where, I mean, when we're at our shows, we're very much into hanging out with our fans and being there. And so ideas kind of come from her, you know, this is kind of basically taking who we are and as, as just people mm -hmm. and saying, you know, we, we need to expand on this and not just you're at your shows hanging out, but give the fans the interaction beyond that, too. Right. And uh, and everywhere and anywhere. So it's just like the social media was very pushed on us. So like, you guys got to get on top of that and do that. And we did. And, you know, I love it, dude. I love the fact that we're giving these fans a kind of experience to, you know, to get up close with us and, and, and more personable. Because that's just, I mean, in, in general, that's who we are. We're metal fans ourselves. So, right. you know, we're not just a band. It's like we're right there with them and talking about the bands that we love and, and enjoy. And it's cool, man. I mean, I don't, I don't understand why more bands don't take advantage of mm -hmm hanging out with their fans and, and meeting them one-on-one -on -one because it's it's that's your audience those are the people that are supporting you and it's like you got to give thanks you know because they're out there you're doing what you're doing because of them right you know and uh you know we even the local scene just hanging out we'd go to shows and go and support the other bands and you know from there i just you know it's cool man it's cool to give be you know just like any other i guess in a sense of in a business sense of if you look at it mm a business when they go out there and they meet their customers and they do things to show appreciation. It's, it's how you keep people coming back exactly. and it's how you show the love and support. And I mean, it's not just something we do. Oh, cause you know, we're doing it for the money. It's no, we generally love this and we do love our fans. And so it, it, everything kind of works together when you actually have that genuine, genuine appreciation and love for the people that support you, then you do everything possible to make that experience right. for them. Uh, great so yeah i mean it's just part of the character that we are and we love doing that so and it, it really comes across and i think you know you guys have that connection with those fans and i think it's gonna you know really propel you guys even further i think Thank um you, man. you guys are doing a couple of dates uh next week in the u.s uh playing pittsburgh uh toronto cleveland um and in michigan yeah, that's right yeah um and this is just kind of like a warm-up before going over to Europe, or is it uh, – and uh, then you guys are going over to Europe for the first time. Uh, how exciting is that? Are you guys really pumped to be going over there? Or? Yeah, dude. I mean, uh, yeah, these, these warm-up dates are basically just kind of a warm-up. 
And uh, we also have our friends from Canada called Crimson Shadows. They're right. coming out with us and, and doing those dates with us. So it's cool to be able to pump that band up. And they're really cool guys, a really cool band. And this will be their first U.S. Uh, appearance. So we're stoked about that. And uh, we got a bunch of cool other local bands that we're playing with, too. Like in Pittsburgh, we got uh, Italian, yeah. really cool guys. So they're playing with us. And, you know... Um, yeah, and then here we here we are going to Europe soon after, and and it's exciting, man. It's the what we've always we're hoping to get to, mm-hmm. you know, eventually, and then it's just another mark on the milestone of like things that we've wanted to do, and 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 to go over to Europe, and we've heard so many good things about how the fans, how the metal fans are over there. So number one, we're very fortunate to go over with Killswitch Engage, Trivium, and Miss May I. You know, those bands have been uh, doing their thing over there and, and kicking ass. So now we get to kind of piggyback a little bit on what right. the, you know the, the the fans that they have and we're very fortunate for that because you know especially for a first european tour to go over with those bands is awesome and i know they're going to bring um you know a lot of new fans to us and hopefully you know maybe we'll bring some uh some of the buzz that we've created over there will bring some new fans for them so uh it's awesome because we've we've had a lot of fans from europe and other countries you know mm. slowly start building up on the facebook page and so a lot of them are like come to you when you come into europe when you come in here you know and now when we finally get to branch out and, and do that and i'm just so excited man i can't wait to you know for the next step right and uh, just see how the fans are over there and it's going to be the same experience to get over here you know just we're going to go out there and kick ass and we're going to you know, afterwards, hang out with everybody and meet everybody, and you know that's just what we're gonna do. And I can't wait, man. I'm excited. So then, okay, these tour the dates in January, February, those are like club tours inside of Europe, correct? And then, yeah. then you guys are doing, you know, the Download Festival in June and a couple of the big European festivals, yeah. and you know that's got to be a whole different type of experience because you know one thing is like talking to other bands or whatnot. It's like there's big festivals. It's like people coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. to see you and you know it's going to be giant crowds i mean you guys have played in front of big crowds and you played in more intimate settings which which do you prefer uh you know i i, I like them i think they're all special in their own way i mean right. the, i mean you gotta love the big crowds when you need to see those sea of people and it's just you know overwhelming and, and you, it pumps you up because when you have all those people and into what you're doing it's just it's unbelievable it's an unbelievable feeling um at the same token though you know the club shows it's it's to me it feels a little more personal you know right. more one-on-one and i like that a lot um i love and, and and i've noticed throughout the years of going to concerts from being a kid to you know to now i find myself really into more of the club shows and i feel like you just kind of get more of that energy and up close feeling to those shows because you're right up there you know, they're when the band's done, it's like you can walk right up to them and meet them, and and it's it's even though you know for Mayhem, even though we were at our merch booth and we hung out with fans there too, it's, I just think it's different for me. I mean, as as uh, for playing and performing, I, I seem to connect more mm-hmm. on the club and the you know smaller setting, but you know, like I said, I. I can't say that I, you know, I can't say that I, oh, I don't enjoy the big crowds because right. that's just, it's awesome. Yeah, it's and, and the you know, Ryan rush. Fest, yeah, and Orion Fest, um, from what I've heard, was very mirrored off of these European festivals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Orion to me was one of the most, you know, well organized, put together festivals that I've ever been a part of. And it was just awesome. And even doing a heavy MTL in mm-hmm. Montreal, 
that was an awesome festival and you had people from all over coming to that so you know i just can't wait these the european festivals are huge you know it's like those are like the mecca of metal festivals and rock festivals they they really know how to like just pack a variety of bands in there and it brings everybody out you know and and it's not just limited to oh it's only strictly this type of metal audience it's like everybody that kind of likes rock music to metal Mm -hmm. whatever in between that's awesome because you get people that just maybe never would think to listen to your music and now they love it so i love those festivals man i love being a part of that and i can't wait to to go over there and be a part of those huge european festivals man i'm excited yeah i imagine um now war will came out uh, last july so obviously it's too soon to be thinking about you know the third album um war will i mean pursuit of honor war will you kind of you know, sidestep that so-called, you know, sophomore slump, you know, a lot of times mm-hmm. you hear bands, second album's not as good. I mean, I think, you know, it's as good as Pursuit of Honor, if not better. Um, Thank you. Does that put any pressure on you? Like when you're, I mean, are you guys thinking about the uh, next album at all? Or is that uh, just, you know, still in the back of your mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we've, you know, once we came back from Death Angel, I was really like, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to start, you know, start a writing process and start getting ideas out and, you know, it's there is somewhat of pressure because you're like, man, you know, like this, you know, second album did really well. We got to top what we did on that one too, you know. So, but it's it's good to just start getting the ideas out and just start, you know, coming up with ideas. And you know, I have some ideas that I've recorded, but nothing that's right. solid yet. But you know, it's got we got to build on that. And um, you know, I don't really write on the road just because okay. I'm so focused on what I'm doing. Um, and it's, I'm kind of in that mode of like. You know, I'm, I'm here to play a show, and I gotta wor- you know worry about what I'm doing then. So, and also, I don't really have all the necessary recording gear that I can bring with me. It's kind of like a home studio or anything right. yet. So, um, but yeah, man, I'm definitely you know I think Tony and I and probably even Don are just working on little ideas and stuff at home. And you know, we haven't really got together and jammed out anything new. But yeah, it's definitely it's to me it's a good idea to start working on stuff now and get ideas going and build off of that because. We're really picky about how we write and what exactly. we write. So, you know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is, oh, it's time to put out a new album and we're, you know, and right. crunch and to put together some songs. I want to build off of that. But yeah, definitely, man. It's um, it's it's definitely going to be, you know, in in my eyes, I want to keep pushing the boundaries of what we can do. And and uh, I, you know, the way I see it, this band's not going to let up on the energy that we put out. So, you know. Yeah, and you guys got a lot of energy. It comes through live. It comes through on the albums, and uh, you know it's great. Uh, I'm really, you know, happy to see the success you guys are having because I think you guys, uh, you know, really bring it and you really kill it out there. And it's uh, it's great watching you. It's great listening to you. And uh, hope there's a lot more to come in the future. Absolutely, man. Thank you. All right, uh, you know, thanks for joining us, and uh, you know, good luck out on the road, and we'll be seeing you here in Pittsburgh real soon. Oh, yeah, Sean. Thanks a lot, brother. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. Can't wait.
All right, that was Battlecross covering Pantera's fucking hostile. I'd like to thank Heron for taking the time to talk to us. Battlecross will be here in Pittsburgh on January 22nd at the Smiling Moose, along with Crimson Shadows, Demon Wolf, and Talion. Up next, Aaron had a chance to talk with neoclassical guitarist, shredder, and composer Joe Stump. Before we get to that interview, though, here is a track from Joe Stump's most recent album, Revenge of the Shredlord. It's entitled Shredlord Sonata. <laughs> gentlemen on the show tonight i am happy to welcome the shred lord joe stump joe how you doing man good always good 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 so joe give us a little bit of a background on yourself as a guitarist here because i mean you know the shred lord is is quite quite a title to have have one bestowed so let's let's hear a little bit about your background um well i've i've been releasing records for about 20 years now since 1993 my first solo record came out and in adi- and so you know the newest one, Revenge of the Shred Lord, out on Lion Music. But I mean, I've been releasing um, solo records, and I've also I'm also in um, a few. I've also released records with um, my own power metal band, Joe Stump's Reign of Terror, and also with um, the power the symphonic gothic um, power metal band, Holy Hell. And, you know, I'm also involved, I also play guitar in um, another power metal band, Raven Lord. And I, although I'm not on, the, I wasn't on the record. And um, so, you know, when I've been releasing records and I've toured all over the world, both as a solo artist and with um, the varying power metal bands. And I'm also the, uh, the metal specialist at the esteemed Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So, uh. You know, I'm an associate professor there, and I'm the shred and metal specialist on the guitar faculty there. Wow. So I, I'm kind of curious here. I, I've got several questions for, from that one little statement there that I want to go. But I guess the first one would be, how do you manage that many projects? Um, well, I mean, they all kind you know, come like the Reign of Terror thing. I ha- That's kind of been... You know, I wouldn't say defunct, but I had been busy with um, doing the Holy Hell thing for a few years. And, you know, I, I you know, I haven't released a Reign of Terror record in quite some time. I released, you know, four records with the Reign of Terror. And so, so you know, that's just kind of like past history, although, you know, I might may do another Reign of Terror record in the future. That's kind of like my own thing, even though it's, um, you know, it, other than my, my instrumental records are solo records and the Reign of Terror is, a, um, you know, a vocal project. Gotcha, gotcha. But, um, and, and, you know, and luckily I'm, you know, I manage to balance things out and I haven't had too many things conflicting. So it's, you know, it's been working out so far. Wow. So let's talk about how you developed it as a guitar player. So I, I read a little bit of your bio, uh, saw that you were a big Ingve fan. And that you, you and Ingve kind of came up almost concurrently, stylistically speaking, um, it seems. So let, how did you develop your guitar stocks? I mean, I don't hear a lot of people with the chops that you have today. I mean, there's there's people that can play fast, but as I'm listening to um, to your latest record there, Revenge of the Shred Lord, 
is definitely a very classically influenced record. So you don't hear a lot of that. So how did that development become, especially on guitar, when there wasn't a lot of what you were doing started? You know. Uh, um. Well. Well. I mean, like my my root my roots. Like say say pre um pre Ingve. Um. I I always like my my main guitar influences are um Richie Blackmore, Uli John Roth, Gary Moore, Michael Schenker. And um, and Aldi Miola as well, and you know, and Hendrix, and you know, this is a side. And of course, I love classical music. I love Bach and Paganini and Vivaldi and Beethoven, Tchaikovsky, um, Mozart. So, so, so I remember when I first read about Ingve in the Spotlight column in Guitar Player, he was listing all of his influences, and many of them were the you know the same things that influenced me. So I was like, oh, this guy with the this Swedish guy with the hard to pronounce name, you know, he sounds like he'd be right up my alley. And, and sure enough, you know, it yeah. was so. Uh, so, so that's you know, like my kind of my style's kind of rooted in the. Um, you know the tradition of the European hard rock masters. To to me, you know, I consider Ingve in there with like you know those legendary European guitar players. Not so much, you know, I don't consider him like a shred guy. You know, to me, he's like one of the 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 you know the 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 European guitar legends. That's killer. So help me understand this a little bit. So because I'm I'm really glad you brought up those influences that you brought up, especially like you, the John Roth. And Richie Blackmore, because I'm aware of those guys, and I know I've heard some stuff by them. But you know, for I'm 41, so like you know, my idea of shredding is Ingve. Like that was my introduction to it. So I can't picture life before Ingve. So can you help me understand how the transition kind of came from what those guys were doing to what you and Ingve do? Um. Well. Well, I mean, the European guitar players, like, let's say Blackmore, and, you know, and Uli John Roth, you know, Blackmore's British, of course, yeah. and, you know, Uli's um, German. Um, so, you know, um, those guys were using elements, you know, not elements of... Yeah, um, you know they were using classically classical influence and Blackmore, you know, using scales like Hungarian minor and harmonic minor, and um, and also you know playing uh, playing you know um, um, some scalular types of ideas and arpeggio types of ideas, and you know Uli John Roth playing you know playing classically influenced lines and diminished things and all that kind of stuff but you know but not to the you know extreme you know so like imagine if you took some of those ideas and you meld and you know like Ingve came along took some of those kind of guitar influences from Blackmore and Uli John Roth and then you know made it even more extreme you know kind of combining it with like Al Miola's pick hand and a violin a violin um virtuoso's kind of approach, you know, and kind of melded it, and that's where it kind of stems from. So what what drove you to keep pushing for, I guess, that speed and precision, kind of chasing that violin sound? Because like a buddy of mine and I were talking, and we, we can both clearly remember the first time that we heard Ingve, because we'd heard speed, but we heard hadn't heard speed like that on a guitar. Like I'd, I'd heard violins and all this sort of stuff, I'd never heard it. What... Like what? What just pushed you to do that? Um, well, I was always um, very attracted to like very fast guitar. Like I loved, um, you know, like 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 um, 
the Al Miola record um, Elegant Gypsy was very similar to like you know the first time you I heard that you know it was also very groundbreaking like the first time you hear you know the the Rising Force record um, and I had heard Ingbay before the Rising Force record and the Steeler stuff and the um, Alcatraz stuff but um, but you, you, you know I always loved and and for their for their time both Uli John Roth and Blackmore were considered very very fast technical players you know for the time yeah you know um so i've always been attracted to that style of guitar you know what i mean to i mean i i mean to me i've always loved that wow and i mean you you do it very well and obviously you you sound like you're pretty well versed in theory also that you you have a pretty good education background there i mean especially i guess to teach at berkeley well i went to berkeley and stuff but i mean a lot of the stuff i um you know, I know is through, you know, like learning different elements from classical music and classical pieces and everything. But yes, of course, I know, um, you know, I know how to read and I know, I know, you know, quite a bit about music theory and all that kind of stuff. And, and I mean, like, like technique and all that stuff is great. Um, but, you know, what obviously the most important thing is, is showcasing it inside you know stuff that sounds like music you know yeah. many uh, many you know guys got shops but they you know they can't you know they, they write a track and it just sounds like a stupid guitar exercise it doesn't yeah. sound you know and it doesn't rock like my stuff rocks because yeah. like, to me that's what's cool about blackmore he's got like attitude and balls and you know it's not like you know connecting the dots fancy lick you know bullshit well, so and I'm glad glad you kind of bring that up because I kind of want to talk about your composition style and how how it goes together. So, as I'm listening to uh, to your record today, before we got ready here, a couple of things that stuck stuck out for me are um, Shredlord Sonata, Master's Prelude, and then In the Master's House. Those three tracks, you know, really kind of jumped out at me because they fit very well together. And I was kind of curious, like, how much does theory come into play? Or how much does kind of like your your music education come into play when you sit down to write? Because I mean, it, it. I'm not sure if I'm, I'm afraid is like setting this up right, but it sounds structured as far as like to me, like, like from a symphonic standpoint. But at the same time, it doesn't feel um, mechanical, if that makes sense. So there's still soul feel. It breathes like like a piece of music should, but it still feels like there's some shru- structure across those three pieces so am i off base there am i on track or how's Uh, no well i mean well i mean since i'm educated i mean when i when i compose things i do it fairly organically where i hear things in my head and i play them um and you know i kind of come upon them um you know whether it's a melody whether it's like a baroque kind of chordal thing that master's prelude is um and you know sometimes those things all fall together like uh, you know i think i wrote like a good portion of master's prelude um just right on the spot once it just started coming to me i was messing around with these kind of open class you know baroque style classical voicings but uh and you know and then and then hearing this kind of you know, um Bach induced kind of melodic idea and same thing with like when I write a melody and stuff it's very organic but at the same time I use 
um, the scales that I like to use and combination of scales and chord sequences that are influenced by not only, you know, my, my guitar heroes and influences, but also, you know, classical influences. A lot of those things I use, I mean, those are tonalities and chord sequences and scales that I work in fairly consistently so of course there's going to be and you're putting a, a tune together of course there's going to be form and structure and it's going to make musical sense you know i mean i mean that kind of stuff comes naturally to me but if someone analyzes it theoretically of course it makes sense as well yeah so how does that sort of thing translate i guess kind of what you do there how's that translate into the metal program so i'm kind of curious to know what the metal program at, at Berkeley is like? Well, I wouldn't say there's a, there's a metal program. I mean, I um, you know, that they have a on, on the guitar faculty. They probably have anywhere between sixty five and seventy guitar faculty members, and they all range in all different types of styles yeah. from, you know, from country stuff to classical stuff, to finger style things to you know fusion to more modern jazz types things to older school traditional um West Montgomery, you know, Joe Pass jazz type of things. I mean I mean it runs the full spectrum. Blues, you know, various styles of rock, so you name it. So I'm just the you know, I'm the metal guy, I'm the shred guy. So yeah. So I mean, um, and my students like you know a lot of them like anything from like guitar virtuoso stuff to technical death metal things to you know I, I mean to power metal stuff to death metal you know to black metal stuff. So so it it, it it's a wide wide range, but a lot of metal guitar lead vocabulary. Um, has granted uh, of course it's evolved but a lot of there's many things that remain constant in it so uh so so you know that and like primarily private but i also have a you know metal master class where i have uh eight years in it and and that's like you know like a full-on kind of classroom situation with everybody plugged in and you know me running the show gotcha now, does everybody like, like who attends Berkeley still have to learn theory and all the basics of music and that sort of stuff? Yeah, well, most people uh, before they get there have a fairly have somewhat of an understanding be, uh, um, before before they get there because that kind of puts them ahead of the game. But yeah, all of the um, students, especially in the in their earlier semesters, dependent upon regardless of what their major is they'll have uh, core classes that you know that that everybody takes whether it's ear training or harmony or arranging or you know private instruction on their instrument etc okay and so I, i'm kind of leading up to, to this next question then is do you get a lot of metal guys coming in now um yeah there, there's plenty of metal players you know there's plenty of metal players and uh, you know because i'm like fairly high in demand there and um so so there's over a thousand that or 1200 guitar players that attend attend the school there wow. so, um of course there's going to be a uh you know uh, there's a there's a a decent sized group of metal guys even though it's a bit of a you know kind of cult population there primarily a jazz institution but there's all different types of players there well it's, that's really exciting to hear and and i i'm just very very happy to hear that there's metal guys who want to be educated because i mean when i was coming up you know in the like mid to late 80s here like 
guitar education was huge. Like, like you had to know your stuff. Everybody talked theory and technique and and you know and and all the mechanics of songwriting. So you need to learn those things. Or, or I felt like there's a sense like to be a serious guitar player, you need to learn that. Then the '90s hit, grunge happens, and everybody poo-poo's on knowing anything about the guitar. Oh, I don't know anything about guitar. I just do this. I just do that. And and I'm not taking anything away from the organic feel because I'll be the first person to tell you. For as much theory as I know, if I'm sitting down to write a song, I'll use theory to kind of get myself out of the corner I backed myself into, and then just make some noise and see where it takes me. You know, but. It's nice to hear that metal guys are, are trying to educate, and the guitar education is still, I guess, alive and well. Oh, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, guys, you know, guys that are serious about playing want to play at a high level, and of course, you know, any any help and additional information is is gonna, you know, is gonna aid that. That's cool. That's really cool. So, let's talk about your guitar collection because I was checking that out right before we started the interview here. And um, I noticed it's pretty much ESPs or Fenders, and then there's a, the couple. There's the Devil Wing guitars I saw in there. But um, you have quite the collection of Fenders. Um, yeah, that that's just like online. That, online, that's just like a portion of my you know guitar collection. Oh my I, goodness! You know, yeah, I've I have you know I have quite a few guitars, and I'm like you know I'm I'm a I'm a massive Strat guy. Like all of my heroes, you know yeah. Hendrix, Blackmore, Ingve, Gary Moore when he was a metal guy played a Strat. Um, Uli, you know, before he started playing the Sky guitar, played a Strat. And, um, you know, um, Tommy Bolin, you know, John Norma time played a Strat, all kinds of cool Strat players. But uh, what was I going to say? But, um, you know, so, yeah, I have quite a few Fenders, you know, early. I have, uh, you know, a bunch of early 70s Fenders um, and as well as some of the Blackmore model, I have like a bunch of Blackmore models and Ingbe models, you know, which are which are super nice guitars themselves. Oh yeah. And I have a ESP. I've been an ESP endorser for quite some time, so um, they built me like a bunch of custom shop strats. Plus, I have a bunch of off the rack ESP stuff that I get customized, so that they make they make killer stuff as well. And um, and you know, of course, there's nothing like getting a um, custom shop strap, you know, made to your specifications with your name on it and all that kind of nonsense. Oh yeah. So that you know, Matt Masiandaro and the guys over there have been really good to me for many years now. And um, and in fact, I just got another guitar from them on Friday. So so nice. uh, so you know, take it in, get it all chopped up and doctored up and. But um, and and I've got a bunch of um flying V's as well. And, you know, one that ESP sent me, um, you know, and, you know, as well as some, um, I have a few Epiphone Gothics and a Dean Shanker model. And uh, what else do I got? And and that custom made, I have a couple of custom made Demon Wing guitars. Yeah. That were, you know, the prototype was made in Ed Roman's shop out in Vegas. But that's a very cool guitar. It's, it's kind of like, it's got all of the features that a Strat does, meaning the neck is like a Strat neck. Got the oversized headstock and the body contours are when it sits against you, it's like a strat, even though it looks like an evil, you know, like BC Rich or or Rico Jr. kind of metal guitar. Yeah. It's it's you know kind of like a demonic strat or something. Man, that's cool. That's cool. That's a lot of guitars. So, do you notice like a big feel difference between like say you know your Gibsons or other guitars out there versus when you pick up the strat? 
Yeah, well, a strat. You know, I love strats, and uh, and you know, and that's what I predominantly play. And and you know, granted, can I play other guitars? Yeah, but I mean, I prefer to play a strat. It's like perfect. You know, like everything's right there when I'm working the volume knob, when I'm working the 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 toggle switch, when I'm using the you know when I'm using the tremolo, and um, you know all my guitars have the scallop necks. Gotcha. Um, and you know, so it's just like uh, it's just like you know something that fits perfect, like putting on the you know like like a great pair of boots or a pair of pants or something like that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like like just very comfortable. And, um, and, you know, granted, they all sound slightly different. They're all made from different pieces of wood and whatnot. And some have rosewood necks, some have maple necks. But, um, but they all, you know, they all basically have the same features with, um, you know, as far as pickups and scallop necks go and, you know, and the graph tech nut and tremolo and all that kind of nonsense. And I asked the question because I'm a Strat guy myself. Well, I'm a Fender guy. Like, I've been playing a P bass since I was 13. And um, I, I now have three different Strats. I have a two hundred dollar Squire. I have the um, the pawn shop kind of thing that they made. It's like the Telecaster Stratocaster mix, and then I have a, um, a a USA Strat that I bought for my son when he was born. And no matter which one of those I pick up, it still feels like a Strat from the two hundred dollar one all the way up. Nice. You know? And I just yeah, I, I love I love that about Fender. There's something about that guitar that just feels very very comfortable. You know. Uh, so it's, it's neat. It's neat to hear you talk talk about it in, in a very similar way here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I you know, obviously, you know, I do play my Fenders, but you know, my you know, most of the time, um, especially when I, when I'm touring or playing live and recording, you know, the ESPs are like predominantly, you know, my workhorse guitars. Oh yeah, yeah. So speaking of recording, is there plans for another album in the works yet? Um, I got a few projects going now. I mean, I'm all, um, now I got this, uh, I got this one project, like a vocal project, which is similar to the Reign of Terror. And that's with, um, Chaba Specken, who sings in Raven Lord and this, um, fi- um, Finnish, you know, killer Finnish drummer, Mirka Ratanen, I believe his name is. He plays with, uh, he's played with, uh, Timo Koltopelti from, uh, Stradivarius. I think he's done some work with him with a solo thing. Gotcha. But, um, and Craig Gruber is playing bass, and Craig played on the first Rainbow record with Blackmore. Wow. Craig also played, um, with Gary Moore for a while. So, so, so it's like, and the music is very, um, yeah, um, like stuff that's right up my alley, like rainbow, pur- rainbow influence, purple influence, rising force influence stuff. Um, you know, so so I had been recording that, you know, so that's one project in the pipes, and then I got a there's a doom metal project called Exorcism, that um the band just got a a deal with a German label. And I didn't like any of the track on the record, but it's it's like doom metal, like Crux or Trouble or Sabbath. So uh, I'm going to be playing guitar on that. So that's another project in the pipes. Man, so, you are busy. But, yeah, those are the two things I'm working on, you know, lately. Well, you know, everybody says, oh, you're doing a lot of different things. Hey, you know, all those European guys are in like six bands. I figured, why the fuck not me? Uh, you know, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm the like with a bunch of these projects. I'm the um, well, Craig. And the thing I mentioned previously, Craig lives in the states, but um, but on a bunch of the other things, like the the Raven Lord thing, the Exorcism thing, um, and you know, and and, and this other thing with with Craig Gruber, um, 
and Chaba, um, those, all the guys are European, so I'm the only guy from the States. So working with the European guys, like, do you notice a difference in the European music scene versus the American music scene? Because, I mean, over here, I, I feel like we've gotten some a lot of watered-down pop, and it seems to be very, very difficult to sell records nowadays. Is that the same state everywhere, or you know, is there is there a different type of music-buying crowd in, in Europe, or how does that work? Well, metal is, you know, metal is much more, metal is very, very popular in Europe and, you know, many different countries in in Europe and stuff. Metal, metal's big and, um, you know, the countries are close together. So, you know, so you can tour and you can play, play a bunch of the different countries. And, you know, it's like going from, uh, you know, New York to Connecticut, you know, going yeah. from, you know, Belgium to Germany or going from, you know, the Netherlands to Belgium or, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh so so you know so so yeah i've been lucky enough that i've played quite a few you know i've i've played quite a bit in europe and stuff so uh so you know metal is alive and well and of course they have you know big metal festivals over there with tons of different bands and a lot of times in europe you'll see many different kinds of different schools of metal bands on the bill you know you could have like a glam metal band and you could have a black metal band and then you could have a prog metal band and a power metal band everybody could be all playing on the same bill you know, at the same festival, so yeah. it, it's it, it's cool. Man, that's killer. Where, where nothing, you know, not enough of that goes on in the states. Yeah, I I agree. I agree, and and I feel like like our fans over here get so segmented. You know, like like you know, it, into these genres of metal. I'm like, oh my goodness! I can remember when I was a kid. You basically had metal or thrash metal. That that was it. Death metal was just crawling up a little bit, and we're fans of all of it. You know, it was just a way to kind of tell them apart so you could kind of put the bands into a category so somebody knew what they were looking at. Now you've got these really rapidly segmented fans like, I won't listen to this, but I'll listen to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's true. I mean, mo- mo- a lot of people that, you know, where Europeans are a little bit more, you know, educated, a little bit more open-minded to a certain extent, a little bit more music, musically savvy. You know, yeah. especially because a lot of Europeans grow up, you know, their their parents grew up listening to classical music and stuff instead of, you know, whether whether it's country western or pop music or whatever. Well, and, and that's that's actually an interesting take. Is is classical music still a big part of the culture over there as much as it was? I you know I would imagine you know it depends on where you, where you're at and who you talk to. I guess. You know, I don't. I'm not. You know, I couldn't really tell you for sure, but you know, it's it's much more of a fabric. You know, in, in much more of a European thing than over in the states, I guess. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. All right, so one last question here, and I'll let you go for the evening. Um, I when I was surfing on your site, I checked out another link you had up where you teach, also called the Shred Academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, the Shred Academy is a company that I've released, like I think, like six or seven. You know, I've released a bunch of different um, instructional DVDs. So the Shred Academy, you know, www.shredacademy.com, they put out, you know, they're a company that puts out guitar instructional material. So I have a bunch of DVDs out through them. Um, I think the last one I did a, a couple of years, you know, maybe a year or two ago, Shred Guitar 101. Um, some of them are geared towards um, more advanced players and, and the Shred Guitar 101 um, DVD I did um, most recently, I tried to gear it so it was a little bit more, you know, granted advanced players can get things from it, but, you know, it was also a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of reaching a wider range of players level-wise. And 
So, so you know, I've been releasing DVDs with them for quite a while. I just finished a book for um, a guitar instructional book for Berkeley Press, Hal Leonard. So that's coming out um, early next year. Joe, Joe Stump's Metal Guitar Chop Shop. So that'll be out like next year, you know, in in stores and on Amazon and you know wherever they sell books, I guess. Nice. Well, I'm glad you brought up the book because as you started talking about the Shred Academy, I forgot that I wanted to ask about that. So. What's the book consist of? Like, is is there like parts where you explain how to play things, and and then there's like exercise written out? Because I, um, cause I mean, like any of the uh, most, well, I guess most of the other books I, I've read, there's very little instruction, and it's mostly just sheet music. So, oh, what's but, what's your book like? Oh no, well, um, you know, there's um, there's different chapters. There's like ten different chapters. And um, so each chapter covers like a, a specific type of topic. And there are musical examples and there is text to go along with the musical example that, that explains things. And in addition to the text and the musical example, there's also like full tracks and etudes where you're actually playing, you know, like, like, like a piece of music that has a backing track and stuff. And of course, the music's there and the text is there explaining the whole thing. And there's a CD that'll come along with it that has all of the musical z- examples, plus the um, the entire pieces and etudes all um, recorded, plus backing tracks. So um, so, uh, so it's cool. It's 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 a good um, instruct. It, it, it's a very good instructional tool for for you know all different types of schools of hard rock and metal players on all different levels. So it should be a cool thing. Man, that's cool. That's cool. Hey, Joe, thanks for coming on the show tonight. We really appreciate talking to you. All right. Hey, thanks for having me. It was cool. All right. That brings an end to episode 227, and I'd like to thank you, Ron and Joe, for joining us. In 2014, Iron City Rocks will be celebrating our fifth anniversary. And to celebrate, we are giving away a ton of concert tickets. We have tickets for Battlecross, Autograph, Amon Amarth, Three Doors Down, Metal Church, Asking Alexandria, Ice Earth, and several other shows coming to the Pittsburgh area. If you'd like details on how to win any of these tickets, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. You can also follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash Iron City Rocks. Also, check out our main website, ironcityrocks.com for the latest interviews and concert photos. If you have any comments about the show, please send us an email at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.